Mastermind Agent is proud to present Success Calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Wendy Papasan with Keller Williams in Austin, Texas. Last year, she closed 245 transactions with a total sales volume of $74 million. Her average sales price was $305,000, of which 60% were buyers and 40% were sellers. Wendy has a 28-member team, 19 agents, one showing partner, two inside sales agents, one listing manager, one contract manager, one marketing director, one director of growth, one operations director, and one CEO team leader. Wendy is the team leader of the Papasan Property Group. She's been an agent for nine years and works the Austin, Dallas, Houston, and St. Louis markets. In this call, Wendy talks about starting part-time as a stay-at-home mom and selling 18 homes her first year, building a six-level business by supporting the growth of others, her big why and six core values that are the foundation of her team, why her job switched to lead generation of team talent, building a team around systems, administration, and support instead of centralized lead generation and distribution, why she expanded outside her local market, how she picked the locations and mistakes made that created a stronger team, her teeny budget annual marketing plan for repeat and referrals from past clients and sphere of influence that results in 56% of her business, why you should focus on building a moat around your database, how she got 28% of her business last year by referrals from other agents, her do-not-do list, team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Wendy. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Mike. Hey, Wendy, it's great to have you here. Wendy, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. So before I was in real estate, uh, my background is actually in marketing. But then when I got pregnant with my first child, I took about a five-year hiatus and I was a stay-at-home mom for five years and a real estate investor. And then when my son started kindergarten, that's when I decided to get my real estate license. What made you decide to get into real estate versus marketing? Well, I wanted a career that was going to be flexible with my family. And while I'd been a stay-at-home mom, I'd really started to get into real estate investing. So my husband and I were buying some properties, flipping some properties, remodeling properties. And so I actually got into real estate because I thought I could save money on purchasing investment properties. That was really my only goal for real estate. Well, I have to ask the question, the elephant in the room, because everybody's going to be wondering, are you married to the the famous author of the Red Book? 
Yes, I am. Jay has been business partners with Gary for 17 years. And that's also one of the reasons I got my real estate license was because although Jay is a real estate expert and has his real estate license, he's never actually done a real estate deal. So when I was thinking about getting my license, he strongly encouraged me because he always felt you know, slightly uncomfortable about being that expert, but never really having that real estate background or having that real estate team. So I helped I helped him out with that. <laughs> well, you did it in a big way. You've really jumped in. I can't wait to get into this. So let's let's talk about, let's go back to the beginning. The very first year, did you have a fast start or a slow start? So I would say that that very first year, I actually had really low expectations. I, I found my goal for that year, my very first year in real estate. And my goal that year was $15,000 in sales which is pretty low. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that was really always was my thought is that I was, I, I really didn't ever think, oh, I'm going to sell, you know, 300 homes a year someday. I really just thought, well, I'll just sell a few houses. And, and remember, I'd been a stay-at-home mom making no income. So $15,000 represented a lot of money for us. And so that first year, I really worked. My daughter was still in preschool. And so the goal was to, you know, do all the work I needed to do before I picked her up at noon. And so I did that, really worked part-time for about two years. And I ended up that first full year in real estate, I ended up selling 18 houses. The very first year you were part-time, do you recall what you sold when you were part-time? Well, that was my part-time year. You sold 18 homes part-time the very first year? Mm-hmm. My first full year. I started in the fourth quarter. So I started in like right around this time, actually. So my son started kindergarten at the end of August, something like that, beginning of September. And I sold a few houses that first quarter. And then my first full year in 2010, which arguably was like the worst time to get into real estate in Austin, at least. It was the last quarter of 2009. And yeah, so that first year I sold, I sold 18 houses. Not bad. I bet you made more than 15,000. I did. Yeah, I did. Actually, that first year I made, I made $85,000. Wow. That had to be exciting. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, because it was great. Because before I was a stay-at-home mom, I worked for the state of Texas and the most I ever made was about $42,000. So I was able to double my income that first year, which was really exciting. Wow. That is extraordinary. Now, how long have you been in the business now? Nine years. Nine years. Now let's fast forward to today. How many homes did you sell last year and what was the sales volume? Last year, we sold 245 houses. And for us, that represented almost $75 million sales volume. And this year, we've already surpassed that. We have 248 closed and pending, which for us is a little over $90 million in sales volume or, let's see, $2.3 million in GCI. Wow, that is extraordinary. And last year, what was your GCI last year? So just a little under $2 million. So you're on an upward swing. That's pretty spectacular. Now, it sounds like you're, you've moved up your average price. Was that intentional or did it just happen in the market? Well, the good thing about living in Austin is that our average home price has increased quite a bit. So when I started in 2010, my average price was about 187 Then that was the citywide average price. And now, just nine years later, the average home price here is about 325 so that certainly helped my growth. Now, just to keep things straight, I know you're, I, I get the impression you're in growth mode. 
How many people did you have on the team last year in 2017? So last year we had about 13 and we really doubled last year. So what we were able to do is, is we've created a really strong administrative foundation and we've got four full-time admins. And what that's done for us is it's allowed us to scale a lot. So we've added two extra cities. So now we have agents in Dallas and Houston in addition to our office in Austin, and we have one in uh, St. Louis that we started a couple of years ago, and then we hired quite a few Austin agents last year. Wow. How big is the team now? We're 28 people. 28 people. That's fantastic. And we're going to come back to the team and, and break that all out. I just want to point out for everyone that you closed the 245 last year with 13 folks. That's pretty impressive. Are you still in production yourself? No, I'm not. I'm just the, uh, I don't know, I just do podcasts, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I'm happy to hear that. So does that mean that you're running a seventh level business? Is the business running without you? Actually, I'm at the sixth level. A lot of people think the seventh level business is where you're not in sales anymore. But actually, the sixth level, according to the millionaire real estate agent, is really when you're still the CEO. So I'm the CEO of the business and I'm in charge of growth. I'm in charge of financials. I'm in charge of the vision, of course. And then the seventh level is really when you've hired that CEO and you're really out of it. You're just working, you know, maybe checking in with your CEO once a week or something like that. So I'm still working probably about two days a week full time on the business. Uh, For the team, for the business, is your objective to get to the point that you're at the seventh level where you hire that CEO and you completely step out? And if so, what's your timeline? Um, Nope, that's not my goal. I actually love leadership. I love being the CEO. I love the growth part. I love hiring and surrounding myself with amazing people. I love just helping our clients and helping our agents have their best life. And so, you know, my kind of my big why, you know, when I started this journey and my goal was $15,000, my big why for getting into real estate was saving money on investment properties. And that's grown in the last nine years. And my big why really is now to empower and inspire big thinking leaders to create a life of abundance for themselves and everyone they serve. And so, like I said, I, I love being the CEO. I love surrounding myself with incredible, talented people. And that's my job is to find those people and get them to come work together with me. Well, tell us more about that. How are you finding the right people for your team? What does the right people mean? How do you qualify it? And then how are you going out there to find them? Well, so uh, there's a lot of qualities that we look for, mainly that they're in alignment with our values. So our team values are to be bold, lead others, live abundantly, give back, be authentic, and have fun. So that's a litmus test right there. If you're not any of those, then you're probably not going to be a good fit for the team. And then you don't really have to be uh, smart to be successful in real estate, but I like working with smart, interesting people. So that's another quality that we look for. And then really what that looks like is figuring out, you know, what those expansion cities are. So finding those leaders in, for instance, recently Dallas and Houston. And that means, you know, talking to a lot of people, talking to, in Keller Williams, we call them a team leader, the person who runs the real estate office, talking to them, see who they know, uh, working our sphere, just 
really, if you think about it, you know, my job right now is to lead generate for talent. Most agents understand lead generating and that they need to do it every day. And so for me to have a great business, I need to lead generate for talent. And if you can think about it this way, if you are really good at lead generation for talent, you can do almost anything because if I had to, actually, if you had to, even Mike, if I said to you, listen, you need to go out and get a listing today or I'm going to kill your somebody that's special to you. <laughs> Anybody listening to this call would go out and get a listing, right? I mean, that's just the reality of it. If I was like, I'm going to kill your kid, you would go out and you'd get a listing. And that sounds harsh, but if you had to, you would. And so I can either lead generate for a listing every day, or I can lead generate for someone who's going to go out and get a listing every day for the team. And so that's the power of, of getting you know, connected with amazing people. Well, tell us more about that. Tell us how are you going out there and prospecting and looking for talent? You mentioned not like referrals and you're going through your sphere, but give us kind of the big picture of what are you doing on a day-to-day basis to find that talent? Well, a lot of it's working through team leaders in Keller Williams. So talking to people who are talking to lots of agents, that's probably my number one. Um, And then, of course, we get a lot of referrals from the team. I get a lot of referrals from other Keller Williams agents. I just talked to a friend of mine in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. He said, hey, I have someone amazing moving to Houston. You should definitely give them a call. And that's mostly what we're doing. I mean, we don't do a ton of Indeed ads or... Craigslist or anything like that. It's all just, who do you know? Who do you know? Who do you know? And then talking to those people. When you're out there talking to people in the industry, you're asking, who do you know who would be a good fit for my team? Sure. And in fact, I'm asking that right now on your podcast. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) So this will go out there and people will know. And so that's what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. It sounds very simple. It's it's a very uh, direct model. You're just talking to people and asking who would like to join you. Yeah, it's just like lead generating for real estate. It's my number one thing. And I have goals around it. I need to have two talent appointments every week. And if I don't, then I need to hurry up and get that done. And most people, they just don't think about it. You know, they're very focused on the sales part of their organization and not the talent acquisition part of their organization. But because that's my one thing is the talent acquisition, then I can put my focus toward it and I'm just, like I said, lead generate on a daily basis for that person, for those people. Last year, you had 13 people on the team. This year, you got 28. You just doubled. Where do you want to take this? It sounds like you're in a growth mode. What's your big picture end goal? Well, we've always been in growth mode. And I think that the mistake that a lot of agents make is they try to get into growth mode and they hire a lot of agents and they get a lot of people on their team without having the administrative support. And so for us, it's really getting that administrative foundation and getting our systems in order. And once you do that, honestly, it's really simple, you know, because when people start to come to you, you know, you share with them, hey, this is our value proposition. We have a full-time listing manager. We have a transaction coordinator who's closed over a thousand transactions. We have an operations director with 15 years of experience doing operations. We've got, uh, now we have a full-time productivity coach on our team who coaches everyone to success and meets with them once a week. And then we've got a full-time marketing director with, I don't even know, two decades of experience. And that allows us to do a lot of things that most agents would only dream of. You know, we have a lot of events for our agents. We 
create a lot of marketing materials. And so it's not like we have to sell them on the team. The value proposition is so great that people are knocking on my door. I like how you've got the structure for them to plug into. The interesting Mm -hmm. part was you mentioned the productivity coach. How Mm -hmm. often is one of the team members, one of the agents on your team meeting with the productivity coach and what are they doing? So when someone joins our team, the first thing that we do is we sit them down and we help them create a business plan for their business. Because like you said, I believe that we're a platform for their success. And we don't really give them lots of leads, although there are lots of leads on the team, but it's not like that's our main value proposition. The main value proposition is let's save you the hard work of building the administrative infrastructure, which really is the hard thing about building a real estate team, doing all that stuff. And so we give them a foundation and then they come in and they create a plan. So we call it in Keller Williams, uh, GPS, which is one goal three priorities, and five strategies for each priority. So they sit down and they figure out how they're going to achieve their goals. And we do have minimum standards for everyone in terms of that. And once they have that goal, then the productivity coach meets with them once a week to essentially coach them to success. And the great thing is, is their goals are their goals. And there's personal and professional that we coach to. And the whole idea is is like, hey, these are your goals. Are you going to do the work in order to meet goals or not? And so that session is about a 30-minute session. And it's really asking the questions, well, did you do what you said you were going to do this week? Yes, I did. Okay, awesome. Keep doing it. Or no, I didn't. Okay, well, what held you back this week? And what are you going to do differently next week? That is pretty neat. I want to go back to the the question. I, I just have to ask again. Do you have a, a certain goal that you're trying to get the team to? Are, are you trying to get to 100 agents or uh, $200 million in volume or be in 17 cities? Do you have those type of goals? Nope, we don't. We're really looking for amazing people. And so the goal right now is to expand in Texas, right? Because we've already got, we already send out you know, 10 to 15 referrals to Dallas and Houston. So it made sense to create partnerships there. And then having our teams close by makes everything else easier or necessary. So we're going to be looking for a leader in San Antonio, but really just kind of growing what we've got. You know, the idea of going really wide and not deep doesn't sound satisfying to me. I'd rather make sure that all the agents on my team are very successful because I see a lot of real estate teams. There's a lot of turnover. People come in, they come out. They don't get what they were promised, or there was a lot of overselling and underdelivering. And for me, I want my people to have a life worth living, just like I've got. And so really, you know, focusing on the people that I have, being a little slower about getting the right people in the right seats on the bus. And then eventually, you know, I'll probably hire an expansion director who will help us expand. And then that'll be their opportunity to take the ball and run with it. But for me right now, it's really getting these replicatable models in Dallas and Houston to be uber successful. So it sounds like you're letting it grow organically as it develops, as these opportunities come open. You mentioned expansion teams. I'd like to talk about that for a minute. You're in three Mm -hmm. additional cities beyond your core, and then those are starting to grow out. The first question I have for you is how did you pick those cities? And before you answer, I'm going to I'm going to speculate it was because you had a lot of referral business to send them. I think you mentioned that. Is that how you're picking the cities? It's because you have business to send there? How are you picking where you're going to expand? Great question. 
the first expansion location that we had was really because of a who. So I had a woman in my organization who was my who was leading our operations team. And she and I had worked together in Austin for five years, and she essentially helped me build the team here in Austin. And then her husband got his dream job as a tenured professor at Washington University in St. Louis. And so we still wanted to work together. And so I said, well, why don't you try this expansion thing? And so she moved to St. Louis and, you know, didn't know a soul and went kind of from operations to really leading the sales team. And now she's got a bunch of agents working for her there. So that's where we started. We definitely sailed our way forward as far as that goes. We had um, an expansion team in Minneapolis that we didn't really have the right person in place. And so that one just tanked, I guess. And, and then Gary says, like, do the ink spot model. So kind of go out from your hub where you're sending referrals. And so really our second two, we listen to Gary. Obviously, he's a lot smarter than we are. And that's why we picked Dallas and Houston because we were already sending, you know, 10 to 15 referrals there every year. Wow. And this is really interesting to me, going a little deeper into what happened in Minneapolis, because we can learn a lot from a mistake. Sure. Of course. Well, so I am from Minnesota, so it did make somewhat sense to think about having a team there. And my mom lived in Minneapolis at the time. And so that would have been a reason to go and you know visit the team and also visit my mom at the same time. And it was really a team leader in the Minneapolis area and his wife was about to get into real estate and he thought that it would be a good fit between the two of us. And so they sort of aggressively pursued me and she just really wasn't the right person behaviorally. I mean, she's an amazing person. She ended up going back to her corporate job. It's just, she just wasn't quite made for that entrepreneurial, I guess, personality. And uh, yeah, so we just, you know, we ended up hiring some people there, couldn't quite get our systems right. We weren't really prepared for that growth. And so then I thought, gosh, we really need to figure out, we need to have more replicatable systems and we need to have more replicatable legion. So that's when we hired a marketing director here and she's just helped with a lot of that. So she's been with us for about 18 months and just helped us with our growth a lot. Let's talk about the expansion teams that are working, those teams that are working, how are you doing certain things day to day? For instance, how are you managing those folks that are outside your office? You don't see them. How are you doing that? Well, so we have a leader in every location and it's the leader's job to be the manager. And so they get a certain override on their agent's production. So as a, like a reward for being that leader, but they're also in sales themselves. And then we do have a framework for accountability. So we have a, every single morning, we have a nine o'clock call in. And if you're in Austin, then we do a quick stand up and we do a one thing call. We call it the one thing with your one thing today. That's going to make everything else easier or necessary. And it's just a little bit of focus at the beginning of your day, because a lot of agents just roll into the office, they get into their email, and then other people's priorities take over their day. And so we do the one thing stand up. And so we know, you know, the agents that are engaged, and we can hear them every single morning. And then we have a sales meeting on Monday, where all the sales agents, we use Zoom. And so they're all there. And then every other week, we have like a all partner meeting, which is everybody, including the admin, 
team come in and we do all of the, you know, the back end work for all of our agents. So we do all the contracts to close. We do all the listing management. We do the lead generation. We manage the websites. We do the social media for them. We do surveys. We ask for interviews. We help them with events. And all of that's done here at the Hub. You've got all these people. They're, they're out beyond you. You mentioned that the way you're staying in front of them is the Zoom. You, you, that's basically video mm-hmm. conferencing so that you can see yep. them and they can see you. You're doing that at least once a week. You have this daily call in on the phone. That makes a lot of sense. How are you infusing your culture and your values into these people that are beyond your office? Great question. So I do have a, I have a weekly call with our expansion leaders. So we're just making sure that's the case. And then we do an annual event here. So we'll have a retreat in October. My husband and I own a ranch outside of Austin. So we'll all go to the ranch, spend a few days together and hang out and have fun. And, uh, and then everybody gets together at these big Keller Williams events. So a lot of people were in town for mega camp. A lot of people were here for a family reunion, which is our big event that we have in February. And we just get together and, um, you know, just hang out. And, and then also there are certain activities that we do. So one of our values is to, it's really help each other build wealth. And so we started a, we call it a hot millionaire club. And it's our wealth building club and we are, we have it in Austin and we'll be starting it in our other cities as well. So, Now a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Now, the idea of expansion, it's been out there for a little while, and I don't know where it originated, although I hear Gary Keller's name a lot with the concept and when it came out. And it seems like Keller Williams, the company, promotes it and supports it. Are you only recruiting within Keller Williams for the team? And is it because they got this great network and this concept out there that it works so well to be able to expand? No, we're looking for all all kinds of great agents. And in fact, a lot of people on our team have not had any real estate experience at all. So we're just looking for people who match our values. And if we have to train them on real estate, that's perfectly fine. And no, they don't need to be already with Keller Williams. In fact, um, our Dallas team, they were already with Keller Williams before they joined us. And our Houston team, she was not a realtor before she joined us. And so we run the gamut. I mean, my top salesperson, she worked at IBM for 13 years before she started with me in real estate. And she's closed, oh gosh, I don't even know, probably at her peak as a buyer's agent, she closed about $33 million on her own inside my team. That's interesting. So you're willing to go outside of the industry to find talent. Sure, of course. Before we leave this idea of expansion, how long have you been doing expansion, first of all? So our first expansion team was in St. Louis, and that was about two and a half feet, almost three years ago, to be honest with you. Yeah, almost three years ago. It'll be three years this fall. So in three years, you've learned quite a few lessons. If somebody was listening, they were thinking about doing expansion themselves. What advice would you give them if they were the team leader thinking about expanding? 
I would say that you need to have a good reason to expand. So you even need a good who, or it needs to make sense. You're already sending a bunch of leads there. And you really need to get your lead generation lever, right? And you need to have your hub systems in order. I think people expand too quickly because they just don't have their systems right. And honestly, expansion will expose you. It'll expose all the cracks in your systems. <laughs> so be ready for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be ready to, to fill yeah. the holes in the ship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it probably has made you stronger and your core stronger. So that's pretty exciting. Let's do this. Let's change topics. Let's talk about lead generation and getting business. My understanding is about 56% of your business with your team is coming from repeating referrals from past clients and sphere. Let's talk about that. Does the team have a centralized database? And if so, how big is it? Yep, we do have a centralized database. And we have two main databases because we also get quite a bit of quite a few referrals from agents too. So our sphere database is about 5,000 people and our agent database is a little bit bigger. It's about 6,300. And we work both of those databases pretty heavily because about 30 some percent of our business, uh, 20, well, actually not 30, probably more like 28 last year was from agent to agent referrals. So we work both of those and we do whatever we can do to stay in touch with them. We market to them differently, obviously. As far as our sphere and past client database goes, we have a lot of events. So one of our, one of our main things that we do is we have a quarterly investor seminar And what I love about that is we usually get about between 100 and 150 people that show up and about 50% of those people are people that we haven't met yet. So we do a lot of marketing around that. We also have a quarterly happy hour, investor happy hour, which is very casual. It costs us no money. We just do it at a local bar. The last time I went, I got a happy hour Lone Star beer for like $2 or $3. And that was like the cost of the whole event for me. And that's just a really casual way for people to ask questions about investing. It's like a networking event where vendors can meet each other, investors can meet each other, experienced investors can meet new investors. It's just very laid back and fun. And then the other thing we do is we do a big movie event. There's a place called the Alamo Draft House, which is one of these restaurants slash theaters where you can eat food and and do that. And uh, we've learned a lot uh, working our way through that event. And the last event we had, we showed the new Jurassic World movie and we had two blow up dinosaurs, which was awesome. And we got 10 referrals from that. So that was incredible. So for us, that's about $100,000 of GCI. And then we do a, a ladies night out. So there's a jeweler in Austin called Kendra Scott. And we have an event there, and 20% of the proceeds are donated to our charity of choice. And it's just for women, and they can come, and they can they get a little discount on the jewelry, and they can do some Christmas shopping and have fun, have a glass of wine and some cheese. And then we do a big charity poker tournament. We're involved with an organization called Heroes for Children, which helps the families of children with cancer. And last year... We raised about $142,000 for kids with cancer. And we do another event with them as well. And then we do like a, it's going to be our first year for it. Last year we did some pot buys, but it didn't really work. So we're doing like a pie event and that'll be in November. And so we're just constantly adding, 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 seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, you know, sort of figuring out the return on investment on everything that we do. So if I'm understanding correctly with the events, if I added it up right, it looks like you're doing about 12 events a year, 
maybe one a month. Is that the objective? Yeah, that's about right. And the goal is, you know, it's a lot easier to make your call to your past clients if you have something to call them about. <laughs> it sure is. It sure is. So you're you're using the invitation. You're able to call up and invite people to a party rather than just calling cold and saying, hey, who can you send me? Yep. And it's usually about four touches for each event. So we'll send out an email inviting them. Then the agent will call their past clients and invite them personally. And then hopefully they come to the event. And then if they don't come to the event or if they do come to the event, we'll call them again. Hey, thanks for coming. Or, oh, you know, we missed you so much. Hopefully you'll come to the next one. Okay, so 12 events times four contacts. You got 48 contacts right there. That's right. <laughs> That's a lot of contacts. That's mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of communication with people. Is this the main thing you're doing to stay in touch with your past clients and sphere of influence? We have a monthly uh, newsletter that goes out. So we do that as well. And, and that'll have the information about the events in them. So, yeah, that's the main thing that we do. Well, we also send, uh, yeah, we also send a gratitude card. We also send a gratitude card in November. And then we do a, uh, we have what we call a Tacos for Life program. So the Tacos for Life program are in Austin, you get uh, free tacos on your birthday for the rest of your life if you're one of our clients. <laughs> are they delivered then is or do they have to go to the restaurant what happens there? Nah, they have to go to the restaurant they just get a coupon in the mail but we send a birthday card and the coupon and is that with a local restaurant or a chain with a local one that's pretty neat so you give them a coupon and they bring it in and then the restaurant asks you for reimbursement or you already pre-purchased them uh they ask for reimbursement yep so you have an arrangement with them that's pretty neat the newsletter, you said you send it out monthly. Do you mail it out or email it? No, we email it. Email it out. And you said you've got 5,000 people in the database. That's a lot of people. Do you know all those people? Do each team members at least know those people? Have they met them? Or are there people in there that you haven't met? That's our met database. We also have a haven't met database for some of our farming and things like that. But yeah, that's our met database. What's your annual budget for putting on all these events? So the budget's actually pretty low. The movie event ends up, because we will get vendors to help sponsor things. So one of the things we learned was the movie event is great, but the first time we did it, we we realized we didn't get any belly-to-belly time with our clients. And so luckily there's a bar attached to this particular movie theater. And so then we had our one of our vendor partners pay for all the drinks for everyone while we're all in there. And then we've got some other vendors who contribute. So it ends up usually being about less than a thousand dollars for 250 people to show up to the movie theater. And then the ladies night out is very inexpensive because the Kendra Scott, they, they actually pay for a lot of the wine. So we end up just getting a few nibbles and things like that. So it's just a few hundred dollars. And then the investor seminars, same thing. We typically get our vendors to come and they bring food and soft drinks and water. And, you know, we could just, the speakers obviously come and we have a panel and they speak for free. And then the happy hour, like I said, pretty much was the cost of one beer for me. So <laughs> Very good. <laughs> now, the, uh, the quarterly investor seminars, how much of your business is coming from investors? 
that's a that's a great question. To be honest with you, I need to figure that out. I don't know really what it is because last year is really the first year that we really focused on it. We've always we always said I've always said I'm really passionate about helping people build wealth through real estate, and so we really started to work with a lot of investors over the years. I'd go on a listing appointment and I would just ask the question, "Hey, have you thought about keeping this property as a rental property?" You know, I own a lot of rental properties. I'm the landlady. I give a lot of advice just because I'm just. I tell my agents, like, listen, if you can, even if you could help, let's say, 10 investors a year over the course of a 10-year career in real estate, that's 100 families' lives that you would change dramatically just by selling them one investment property. Because at the end of your life, you could use an investment property to, to pay for assisted living. You could use it to pay for college for one of your children. I mean, there's just a lot of things that you can do. And people just don't really understand it. And so then all of that, I guess, all that karma ended up us getting connected with the guy who runs the Google Wealth Building Club. And so now we have a relationship with him and we're connecting him with agents, our agents, and then other agents all over the country who um, are investor agents. So we're helping them buy property as well. Thank you for walking through how you're staying in touch with your sphere of influence. Now, you also mentioned that you're getting a lot of agent-to-agent referrals. You said, I think mm-hmm. you said around 28% of your business, so maybe 75 closings last year. That's pretty significant. You said the database is 6,300 people. What are you doing to stay in front of the agents in that group, and what are you doing to stimulate them to send you referrals? Well, we're doing a lot of things. So we are also sending out a monthly newsletter, and it's all coming from contribution, which is what are things that agents really want? Like there's nothing that bothers me more if I meet an agent and they put me on their fear email campaign. It honestly drives me crazy. It's like, I don't really want to see your listings in Indiana, in Indianapolis, Indiana. (laughs) I have no interest. And uh, so it's like good content. Like, Hey, have you seen this information on the showing assistant? Have you seen this article on how to hire your first assistant? So we're doing that. And then the other thing that we do is we do these free every other month webinars. So the webinars we do, they're just on different topics. Like one was on um, how to use the showing assistant model. One was on how to build a great small operations team. One was just on investing in other cities. So we do those and those are free and that just generates a lot of referrals for us. I do a lot of speaking now. That's not how I started, but now I do a lot of speaking and, you know, I kind of speak all over the country on mainly on wealth building and, and how to leverage yourself, how to build a big business in a short amount of time and still have a life. That's really the title of it. So all of those things. And then a lot of little stuff, like we'll go to big events and we'll just give away, we'll give away stuff, people, or we have these tours of new Keller Williams franchise owners, there's a tour that comes through our office every single month. And there are 900 agents in my office. And we're the only ones that stand in the hallway, hand out stuff and get cards from these people. And so it's just, you know, built kind of one relationship at a time. If somebody wanted to start getting more referrals from other agents, where would you tell them to start? Sure. I would tell them to start exactly the same way that I did, which was to figure out where people are moving from to your city. So I live in a city where about 150 people are moving here every day and only about 50 people are leaving. So we have a net of 100 people moving to Austin every single day. 
And so when I first started in the business, remember, I only had that short amount of time. So I didn't, and I didn't really want to do a lot of open houses. They took a lot of time. They took a lot of time away from my family. And so I was able to do a lot of it through phone calling and emails. And so I figured out that at the time, a lot of people from Houston were moving to Austin. A lot of people from Dallas were moving to Austin. A lot of people from, you know, I can't even remember, Tampa, Florida, were moving from Austin. So I called up those office owners, those Keller Williams office owners. And I said, hey, who are your kind of up and coming agents who maybe don't have a referral partner in Austin? So I just reached out to them. I do a phone call. Hey, I'm going to be sending a lot of referrals to Houston. So I want to make sure I send them to the right people. I do a little interview. What do you do? Like, where do you specialize? And I dump all that information into a database. And then I started to market to these agents. And Way back then, you know, I didn't have a marketing director. I don't even know what MailChimp was. So I would literally just send out an email every single month that was like so simple. Like, hey, uh, I just saw this and I thought of you. That was it. And it would be a link to something that they might find interesting, like the showing assistant model or how to get more listings or, you know, how to save time in real estate. That was it. Just created a system around it. Nice and simple. The simple systems usually work the best. Absolutely. All the time. Well, Wendy, let's talk about your team. You doubled the team in the last year. Could you give us a quick rundown, uh, kind of an org chart, look at what the team is right now, how many people are in each position and what the position is responsible for? Sure. So we've got on the operations side, we've got uh, April, who's our operations director. And then we've got Heather, who's our marketing director. We've got Christy, who's our listing manager. And then we've got Jamie. She's been with me for, gosh, over five years. And she's done the transaction management, the contract to close on the buyer side. And like I said, she's close to doing a thousand transactions. So she is amazing. Uh, And then we've got our, we call it the director of growth, the productivity coach that I was talking about. And that's a relatively new hire for us. She's within her first about 100 days. And so that's really the core. And then a couple of those people, like the transaction coordinator and the listing manager, they actually have part-time virtual assistants who help them. And they do a lot of the repeatable tasks. And so then our listing manager and our transaction coordinator can really focus on the customer-facing stuff. And then I'm the CEO, obviously. And then we've got one uh, showing partner. So I believe in my agents having leverage too, if they're interested in leverage. So if you want to do, you know, I think most people feel like if you're doing 40, 50 transactions on a team, you're pretty full. Like that's a big life for you. And so then I encourage my people to, hey, you want to make more money and have uh, more free time? Well, let's get, let's get some leverage for you. So we have a showing partner who assists my lead buyer agent. And, um, and then I've got my lead listing agent who also has leverage. Um, I have two inside sales agents. I've got one in St. Louis and I've got one a part-time. Well, they're both part-time, one in Austin. Then I have two agents in Dallas, two agents in Houston. Actually, yeah, two agents in Houston, three agents in St. Louis, and then we've got 12 Austin agents. Wow, that is quite the crew. Well, one of the questions we get the most often when people are thinking about building a team is they're worried about compensation to their agents. Would you mind disclosing how you've arranged that? Sure. So first of all, I would say you want to pay, especially your operations side, you want to pay them well. Because what I see a lot of agents who are trying to build a team do is they try to get the cheapest person that they can find. And of course, 
you know, what's the cost of a bad hire? And Lots. so, yeah, millions. It could be millions, really. It could, it could shut your business down. And so pay your people well. I, I work in a city in Austin, Texas, where we have a below 3% unemployment rate. So it's not that easy to find amazing people. And then I would argue that you need to provide health insurance. You need to provide benefits. You know, you got to have some kind of package for them. Otherwise, like, why would they work for you? So definitely on the operations side, pay well. And also we don't do any kind of per transaction compensation on the operation side. I see a lot of people make that mistake. And then they, when they start to scale, they have to do a takeaway and that's not fun. So that's all the upside. And then our ISAs, they get paid a monthly salary plus a override on, the, on each transaction. And then the buyer agents on our team get paid a 50-50 split. And if you have leverage, then that leverage is paid out of your split. So if you have a showing partner and you're paying them, say, 15%, that comes out of your 50 and same with the listing side. And then as far as the listing side goes, if you bring the lead, then you get paid 30% of the transaction. And if we provide the lead, then you get paid 20%. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Those are very reasonable numbers. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's really not about what you pay. It's about what they make, right? I mean, I never have a split conversation because my people are all, you know, they make money. And what's the value you provide? You know, why would I give you 50% of my income if you're not giving me anything in return, providing no value? You're not taking anything off my plate. You're not teaching me anything. You're not providing me leads. I mean, why would I get a lot of people who come to me and they say, well, I had to leave that team because they weren't providing me anything. I'm like, well, duh, (laughs) you're a smart person. Like, why would you stay with someone just so you can have the privilege of being on their team? Oh, I don't think so. Well, Wendy, thank you for walking us through that and giving us an idea of how you're running the company there. Would you mind disclosing to us what your profitability is? We're at 26%. Wow. That's pretty good with the the team and the growth and everything. That's pretty good. We spend about 5% of our budget on lead gen. So like I said, that's not a huge value proposition for us. It's really about how can we get agents into their strength zone and how can we provide a platform for their success? And so that means agents do what they're good at. They're good at going out, meeting people, closing deals. And then the operations, people are good at what they're good at, which is taking care of the details, making things happen, moving things forward, cleaning up the mess, you know, cat herding, all that stuff. And when everybody's in the right seat on the bus and you have great people, that's when you're going to make the most money. You know, I think you just made a very interesting statement. I think early on with teams, one of the mistakes was buying a lot of leads for the agents on the team and then the team didn't succeed. It sounds like you learned that lesson and that you are having the team members, you're teaching them how to generate leads out of their own sphere. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, Honestly, I've done internet lead generation. You know, I've been on the phone. I've called those internet leads and it's fine. It's harder to capture those leads in a city like Austin. There's a lot of competition. We've got 13,000 agents in our board. And um, and so, like, why not build a moat around your database, which are going to be the best leads, the, the people you're going to have the most fun working with. And then we'll just, we just, we do everything else for you. I mean, I can tell you that 
if you're an individual agent, you're not going to throw one event a month by yourself, right? You're not going to be able to do that. Uh, you're not going to be able to do the transaction management and the listing management. But, you know, you can close easily 24, 36 homes on our team and have a great life. Also, somebody's going to cover for you when you go on vacation. You've got someone to make sure that you're paid. You've got someone who's going to call and ask for reviews for you. I mean, all the things that agents want to do, but they never have the time to do during the day because they're doing all the agency stuff. You're really good at articulating your value proposition. It's obvious that you do, in fact, talk to a lot of talent or potential talent uh, throughout the week. Well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, we have our value proposition on paper. So I hand it to them when they walk in the door and then I walk people through it because that's everything. I mean, people will pay 90% of their commission if the value proposition is high enough, right? If I could say, hey, listen, you're going to close 100 deals. And you only have to work, you know, 40 hours a week and you're going to make $250,000. Would you give me a 90% split? They'd say, sure. Where do I sign up? Where do I sign up? Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's just, it's never about the split. I really like that comment you made was uh, build a moat around your database and that that's one of your concepts. I, I thought that was pretty sharp. Wendy, what drives you? Well, I already told you my big why, Mike, which is to empower and inspire big thinking leaders to create a life of abundance for themselves and everyone they serve. I just feel like I got such a gift when my husband joined Keller Williams 17 years ago, and we've just, Keller Williams has helped us tremendously grow our wealth and think bigger, and I just want to give that back to people. Well, Wendy, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? I would tell them to focus on one kind of lead generation. And I see a lot of agents, they bounce around a lot. And let me just give you a great story of how you can be really successful by focusing on one thing. I have a friend, uh, her name is Shana Motes, and she's a successful real estate agent here in Austin. And she was rookie of the year for the entire city of Austin, I think probably like four years ago. And what I love about her story is that she was a new mom. She had, oh gosh, like a, probably like a one-year-old when she started. Her husband was an executive. And so she really only had her weekends to regenerate. And so she said, I'm just going to work on open houses. And she, that's all she focused on. She focused on doing open houses and lead follow-up, open houses and lead follow-up. And she ended up becoming rookie of the year. But what I love about this story, and this is what's important, is that she did not get her first buyer to sit down and meet with her until her 35th open house. Hmm. And I think a lot of people, you know, they go and they do four open houses and they don't get any business from it. And they just think, well, I'm not good at open houses. No, you, you aren't good at it. You still suck at it, which is why you got to keep going. <laughs> and so that's what I would say to all agents, like find something that you enjoy or find something that you could enjoy if you were good at it. Again, nobody loves, nobody loves cold calling, but if you do it enough, you know, you get good at it and you don't mind it as much anymore. You know, we all have to do the lead generation. You'd never, ever, ever get to give that up. And so just pick something and do it over and over and over and over and over until you got mastery over it. And that's what success is going to look like. Because that's really what success is. It's boring, right? It's a series of repeatable activities done over time. And success is not what people think it is. I think people think they're just going to blow everything up. But really, success is just those small activities done over time consistently, and all those activities are going to lead to success, massive success later on. 
I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? I would say get the leverage mindset right away. So one of the gifts that I had is that my husband said to me, I don't want you to be one of these crazy realtors who's working 80 hours a week and never has a life and no time for their family. So really take some time. And what I tell my coaching clients to do is is tape a piece of paper to your desk, write my not to do list across the top. And every time you come across an activity that makes you go like, ooh, I don't want to do it, or you hesitate, or you put it off, write that on your not to do list. And then when you have enough money, hire someone to do those tasks for you. Well, Wendy, your do not do list is a great idea to identify what you should delegate. You build a team based on the six core values of be bold, lead others, live abundantly, give back, be authentic, and have fun. The foundation of your team is based on the new model of systems and support instead of the classic model of lead generation and distribution. It should be more profitable and more sustainable. And it matches your big why to empower and inspire big thinking leaders to create a life of abundance for themselves and everyone they serve. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 220 homes last year representing new home builders. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.